Well, open your copy of God's Word to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and then give me your attention, because I have two words for you to begin with tonight. And here they are. Grow up. Grow up. Look at the person next to you and say, that's for you. You need to grow up. had a great way to start. Now that you have totally insulted that person, look to them again and say, no, really, you need to grow up. <laughs> the truth is tonight, we all, we all need to grow up. And I'm talking, obviously, in terms of spiritual things. And maybe a better way to say that is to say this, we all need to be growing up. Because spiritual growth, which is the subject of the message tonight, um, is an ongoing process. Or at least <clears throat> it, it should be. Would you agree? It ought to be an ongoing process in the life of anyone who has been born again. Now, I want to share a couple of things with you real quick from uh, the pen of Peter. He wrote First and Second Peter. And in each one of those books, he had something to say about spiritual growth. And in chapter 2 and verse 2, he said this as newborn babes... He said, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may, what church? Grow. grow thereby. And then in the next book, the second letter that he wrote, he said this in chapter 3 and verse 18, but what? Grow. grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I want to read some words here from the pen of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And here's the reason he gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, the word perfect there meaning complete or mature, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. So there is an insinuation there of spiritual growth, that we're no longer children. He said in verse 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men and cutting craftiness whereby, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. So Paul's saying, that the characteristic of somebody that's spiritually immature 
is that they're tossed to and fro by by every doctrine. They'll listen to one guy on TV and, oh, that's great, I believe that. And the next thing, they'll listen to some guy on the radio and he'll say something, and, oh, well, that's good, and I believe that. And the next thing you know, they don't know what they believe. They're tossed to and fro. They're spiritually immature. They're taken advantage of. They're easily fooled by uh, religious hucksters and, and uh, charlatans. And he said, don't be that way. Don't stay spiritually immature. Don't stay a spiritual child. But in verse 15, he said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And I want you to notice that phrase in the middle of verse 15. Paul said, may grow up may grow up in him in all things. Stories told of a little fellow who fell out of bed one night. And of course, his mom heard the ruckus, and she rushed in there. And she said, honey, what's wrong? What happened? And he said, well, I'm not really sure. He said, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. And over the years... I have watched a lot of Christians who have fallen out of church and they've fallen out with regard to their service to the Lord. And really, once you get past all of the excuses and get down to the truth, the truth of the matter is simply this. They stayed too close to where they got in. That is, they entered the family of God at salvation as a babe in Christ. Peter said, as newborns, as babies in Christ. When somebody gets saved, they may be 40 years old physically, but they're as an infant, as a newborn spiritually. And they remain a babe in Christ. Never growing, never maturing, Never making that journey from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Are you with me? All right. Now, some may ask the question, well, what does it look like to grow spiritually? Obviously, we watch these little ones as they grow up in our church and get married, and, and, and we've watched them, those of us who have been here for years, we've, we've watched them from the time Daddy held them up in that first service here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and we've watched them all through this process to the point that they're standing on the platform and they're saying, I do, and well, I got that a little backwards, didn't I? They stand on the platform and say, I do, then Daddy holds them up because they've had a baby. That's how it's supposed to be. But the point is, we've watched them grow up. We've been able to physically watch this take place in their life. And Pastor, I get that, but what does it mean to grow spiritually? What what does that look like? And so I began to give that a little bit of thought today and emailed a couple of our staff guys and shared some of my thoughts with them and then asked them what they would add to that. And here's, here's a list of things that that we came up with. This is what it looks like 
When somebody is growing spiritually, number one, they have a desire to know and learn more about God and his word. Peter refers to it as, as advancing from the milk, or excuse me, Paul refers to it as advancing from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Now, again, you think about a child, and, and really this whole spiritual growth thing, there's so many, so many similarities between somebody growing, watching a child grow physically, and then us ourselves experiencing growth spiritually. Um, we have a new grandson, and just a couple of weeks old now, and uh, I have yet to see... Tiffany or Kelby or even Grammy, she gets away with a lot of stuff, but I have yet to see her sneak any kind of solid food into his mouth, and certainly not any meat. Why? Because he's not ready for that. But there will come a time when um, they will begin uh, feeding him more solid foods and, and uh, some of the finer things in life like bacon. Amen. But right now, he's not ready for that. And Paul talks about, and we'll, we'll read the scripture in a little while, but Paul talks about, he refers to it as moving from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. And somebody who is growing spiritually is learning more about God, and they're learning more about his word, and, and they're, they're, they're constantly and forever learning new things. Here's the second thing. You no longer wait for or need others to feed you. Our other grandson, son, Leroy's older brother, Huck, he's two years old now, he doesn't need Grammy to get him a snack anymore because he knows where they're at and he can just go get one. Kelby, plug your ears, or two or three. He doesn't need anybody to feed him anymore. He can do it himself. And here's the point. Somebody who's growing spiritually, though they come to church and they're fed the Word of God by those who are teaching the Word of God, they don't, they don't, they don't have to wait for somebody to do that because now they can do that on their own. They do that at home. And they read the Word of God, and they study the Word of God, and they interpret the Word of God, and they make application of the Word of God all by themselves now. And that's a sign of spiritual growth. Here's a, here's a third one. You graduate from a learner to a teacher. Again, we'll read about this in a moment, but Paul chided the Hebrews to whom he wrote the, the book of Hebrews, he chided them because at a time when they should have been teaching others, Paul said, I've got to go back to the rudimentary elementary things of the faith. I've got to begin at the ABCs and start teaching you again. And that's a shame because you've been saved long enough. You ought to now be teaching others those things. 
And I'm not saying tonight that if you're not standing in front of a Bible class somewhere teaching the Word of God that you're not growing spiritually. That's not the point that I'm making because that may not be your gift. That may not be where God wants you in Fellowship Baptist Church. But the point of, of, of the, the lesson tonight is this. You ought to be able to do that. If somebody asks you something, you ought to be able to give them a biblical answer. And I'm going to say what I've said over and over and over again in the nearly 40 years of being a Fellowship Baptist Church, this is not a good answer because that's what my church believes. Because that's what my pastor said. That is not a good answer. That is not an acceptable answer. They're not asking you what your church teaches. They're not asking you what your preacher preaches. They're asking you what you believe and why you believe it. And you ought to be able to give a biblical answer. And if you are growing spiritually, then you are going to graduate from a learner to a teacher. And then here's a fourth thing. You desire to obey God. If you're growing spiritually, you're going to have an increasing desire to do what God asks you to do in His Word. I'm talking about simple things like in the church. I mean, somebody who's growing in the Lord, they're making that graduation from just Sunday morning to Sunday night and then to Wednesday night. And obviously, many of you are on your way there because you're here tonight. I get that. But somebody who's growing, that's that's one thing that, that is the pastor. That's one thing that is observable in the life of somebody who's growing in the faith. They're becoming more and more interested in obeying God. And one of those visible uh, indications of that is their church attendance. Giving is another one. Um, serving, being involved in ministry is another one. Sharing your faith with those around you is another one. Those are all things that God expects of us as believers. And when we begin exhibiting those things in our lives, then we're growing spiritually. And to the, to the, to the, uh, as we begin to demonstrate those things to a greater degree, we're giving evidence that we are growing more and more in the Lord. Number five, you're growing as a person. And my thought here is that you are displaying more spirituality. For example, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, all of those things. And you're beginning to exhibit and demonstrate those things in your life as a believer. Number six. You desire for your desire for unity overrides your own personal preferences. Now, there may be some who say there are no gray areas in the Bible. Well, I disagree with you. There are. There are some things that the Bible does not say, well, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. There are some areas of liberty where we are encouraged to demonstrate grace. And love and kindness. And just because somebody does something you don't do, here's a real sign of spiritual maturity. You're willing to extend grace to them 
because your desire and your concern is more for unity in the body of Christ than it is for fighting and arguing and passing your judgment on somebody because they don't measure up to your standard. Now, I'm not talking about things that are clear-cut um, truths and, and standards and, and uh, behavioral issues in the Word of God. There, there are some thou shalt's and thou shalt nots. And there are some clear-cut things, but there are some other areas that are up for grabs. And Paul talks about those. And I mentioned this Wednesday or Sunday night in Romans chapter 14. He talks about some of those areas where we ought to extend grace and we ought to extend liberty and, 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 and not try to push our ideas and our thoughts on, on others. And if you're growing in the Lord, then your desire for unity is going to override your own personal preferences. Number seven, there's an increased concern for God's will. When it comes to making certain decisions in your life, you're really beginning to stop to consider, is this something that God wants me to do? Is this a choice that God wants me to make? And you're praying about those things. And you're seeking out biblical counsel. And rather than just, we just make this decision because it's something we want to do or because we think it's what's best for us, when you're growing spiritually, again, you're going to start giving to consideration, yeah, I really want to do that, but I wonder, is that what God wants me to do? And then number eight, there's a heightened sense of the Spirit's conviction of sin and a desire to confess it and to forsake it. When you're growing spiritually, and you're growing closer to the Lord, then there's going to be an ever-increasing sense of conviction when it comes to areas of wrongdoing in our life. And we're going to be quicker and quicker to confess those things and to lay those things aside. We might add to this, we're overcoming those sins that, that seem to be have such a hold in our life when we're growing spiritually we're overcoming those things and there, and there are no doubt many other things that could be added uh, to that list tonight that's not exhaustive by any means but I hope that that will will give you some idea as to what it what's being said when you hear myself or brother Tyler or brother Mike or or brother Paul or brother Sid or whoever when you hear them use the phrase or uh, spiritual growth or growing in the Lord or something similar to that, ah, yeah, pastor talked about that. I, 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 I know what he's talking about. And so hopefully you have an idea. Now, unfortunately, there are some myths associated with spiritual growth. And again, this list could be more exhaustive than the three that I'm going to give you tonight. But I want to give you three myths and do my best to set those straight in the time that we have left. And here's the first spiritual growth myth. Spiritual growth is automatic once you are born again. I've already made this point, I'll make it again. It is natural. It is absolutely natural 
for a new Christian to grow spiritually. But understand this tonight, it's not automatic. It's no more automatic than physical growth. In order for physical growth to take place, some specific actions must be taken. For example, let's, let's refer to a child again. That child needs to be fed, and they must be nurtured, and they must be cared for in order for any substantial growth to take place. And failure to do those things will result in an unhealthy, physically weak child. And by the same token, our new life in Christ has to be fed, and it has to be nurtured, and it has to be cared for if we are to experience any substantial spiritual growth. So the myth is spiritual growth is automatic once you get saved. That's the myth. But here's the truth tonight. If you're taking notes, spiritual growth is intentional. It's not automatic. It's intentional. And write this down. It starts with desire. Again, Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If you want to grow spiritually, you must have a desire to do so. The Greek word for desire there means to intensely crave. You that are or have been parents of infants, then you understand the concept of intensely craving something. When that baby starts whining and whimpering, and then it escalates to crying, and then it escalates another notch to screaming, then that's a pretty good indication that there is an intense craving for some food. Last night I stopped by Tiffany and Kelby's, and they were just getting home, and had Leroy and the, the carrier there, and so Tiffany got him out, and, and uh, he, had just, he had just been at that point where he was intensely craving something to eat. And that's what happens when you're growing spiritually. The intentionality of spiritual growth involves desire. You, you have to have a desire to grow in the Lord. But then also, church, it involves discipline. Discipline. I mentioned Paul's chiding of the Hebrew Christians in his letter to them, and, and, and here's what he wrote. Look at it. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles, the elementary things, the ABCs of the oracles of God. And you have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
Now, if, if I were to go upstairs to our Kids for Christ ministry up there tonight and, and uh, uh, take one of those uh, third graders and bring them down here and say, now teach us. <laughs> they would be unskillful in the Word. Why? Because they're, they're a babe. They're a child. But strong meat, he said, belongeth to them that are of full age. Even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There are any number of Christians who desire to grow. Pastor, that's what I want. I, I want to learn more about God. I want to know God better. I, I want to overcome sin. I, 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 I want to... I Strive for unity in the church and, and, and all those things you talked about, Pastor, that's what I want. But yet they lack the discipline that it takes to exercise themselves in ways that will produce the growth they desire. Does that make sense? Well, preacher, I want it. Okay, then here's what you have to do to get it. Oh, bummer. They don't want to exercise the discipline. It's a lot like making that New Year's resolution to get healthier. The desire's there, but sometimes a week or so in, the discipline, it's gone. You with me? I mean, you may be like this guy. Amen. Yeah. Hey, Doc, I've done it for 30 days now. <laughs> so the first myth when it comes to spiritual growth is that it's automatic. Church, that's not true. It's not true. When Brother Mike dismissed those earlier to the first steps class, that's part of what the first step, steps class is. It's a discipleship class. It's for those who have newly who have been newly saved and, and they're they're learning to grow in the Lord. And Brother Mike's going to teach them some basic disciplines of the Christian life that will help them get where hopefully they desire to get. But it takes desire number one, and it takes discipline number two. Now here's the second spiritual growth myth. Spiritual growth is mystical. And maturity is attainable by only a select few. When you see the word spiritual or spirituality, in some people's minds it conjures up images of people sitting Indian style on the floor with their arms crossed and their eyes closed going, hum, hum. And to them that's what spirituality is all about for others what they picture as a group of men in dark brown robes and shaved heads living together and subjecting themselves to the rigors of poverty and chastity and solitude. But neither of those present an accurate picture of what Peter was saying when he said as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby neither chanting nor communing in some secluded monastery in the Alps 
has anything to do with becoming more like Jesus. The truth is, spiritual growth is not mystical, it's practical. It's intentional, and number two, it's practical. And, and listen to me, church, it's not the privilege of only a select few people in the church. The opportunity to grow spiritually is for everybody. Anyone who desires to do so can grow in their faith and they be, can become more and more like Jesus every day. But understand this tonight, growing up is more than just showing up. Okay? Growing up is more than showing up. And here's what I mean by that. There are churches all across this nation, this one is not included, that have people in the pews who have been faithful to church for years. I'm talking years, but are still just babies in the faith. Why? Because they're just showing up. They're not growing up. In order to grow spiritually, you must develop the habits necessary to do so. Again, it's about discipline. It's about doing the, the hard things. It's about doing the necessary things to grow. And Lord willing, we'll look at some of those things in the weeks to come. Paul said this in the book of Philippians. Brother Tyler will get to it in his Sunday morning series. But he said this in, in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, work out your own salvation. Now, some of you have cringed twice now. I used the word exercise, and I've used the phrase workout. Some of you are going, ah! He said, work out your own salvation. Now, listen, he didn't say work on your salvation. There's nothing else that needs to be done in order for you to be saved. If you're saved, you're saved. You're as saved as you'll ever get. We're not talking about working on your salvation. We're talking about working out your salvation. Paul is writing here about what needs to be done after we're saved so that we might grow in our relationship with the Lord. And there are a, a number of practical disciplines that aid in spiritual growth. They have to do with things like the Bible. <laughs> Funny thing. Desire the sincere milk of the what? The Word. The Word. The word. We're going to talk about the Bible and its place in your life. Here's another one. Prayer. Confession of sin. 
fellowship. So that's where a lot of, now I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but that's where a lot of believers miss the boat when it comes to spiritual growth. They're not fellowshipping with other believers. And believe it or not, that is an integral part of growing in the Lord. Service. Fighting temptation. Stewardship. Giving. Those are all spiritual disciplines. And it's like going to the gym and now the, the, you're not going to believe this, but when I say, but the gym I go to has two sides. They've got the, the free weights. That's for the egomaniac mirror dudes like Stevie and some other guys I see out there. Sandy, tell him I said that, will you? Bummer. He's not here. And then there are, as a side, for the old people like me. They've got these stations, and you do this station, do this station. and So we can think of these things that I just mentioned, the Bible, prayer, confession of sin, fellowship, service, fighting temptation, stewardship. We can think of those as different stations, and we're going to read our Bible, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to confess sin, and, and, and we're going to fight temptation, and we're going to fellowship, and we're going to serve, and we're going to give, and we're going to work out and these particular stations every day, every week in our life. And by doing that, we're going to grow spiritually. Does that make sense? And participating in these spiritual disciplines may not sound like that big of a deal to you. But in truth, listen, it's the difference between enduring the Christian life and enjoying the Christian life. My wife will remember this. Years ago, we uh, took our family. I don't know if Tiff was born not yet or not. It may have just been the boys. But we took our family. Our family went to Branson. And, uh, I mean, the whole way I was talking about the go-karts. I mean, our our, our boys, TJ and Tyler, they were pumped up about the go-karts. They were all about the go-karts. And so we're, we get there, and man, they're looking. I mean, they, their eyes are this big, and they just, they are stoked about the go-kart. And so we make our way up to the, the place there, and unbeknownst to me, you had to be a certain height to get on the go-karts. And uh, so TJ, there's no problem with TJ. He was tall enough. So we take Tyler up there. You know, you got the little squirrel or whatever he is with his hand. Your head, you know, your head's got a... Well, Tyler walks up there and he's about here. He was a little vertically challenged at that point. And man, I'm telling you, honey, you remember that? He was so devastated. He was devastated. And because he had grown sufficiently, he had to endure watching his brother enjoy the go-karts. That was a bummer. 
Now, he was good for the bumper boats. So give him a hard time about that tonight, huh? How about them go-karts, buddy? But the point is, if we don't grow sufficiently, then we're going to watch other believers enjoy the Christian life while we're just enduring it. And silently in our heart, there's going to be a part of us that says, man, I wish I was there. But the truth of the matter is, you can be that. But you've got to do exactly what they did. They didn't cut in line. They did what every other believer has ever done in history. They've exercised spiritual disciplines. And that's how they've gotten to where they are. Does that make sense? You exercise spiritual disciplines. The myth is that spiritual growth is mystical. Just like, you know, Jesus sprinkles a little magic whipple dust on you, boom. No, it's not mystical, it's practical. It's very, very practical. You read your Bible, you pray, you give, you serve, you fellowship, you come to church, you fight temptation, you confess sin. It's just that simple. But where a lot of people miss the boat is that it's also intentional. You've got to do those things. It's not just going to happen. You've got to be intentional about it. And then here's the third myth about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth can occur instantly if you just find the right key. Though this is just a myth, the number of people who believe it can be numbered in the hundreds of thousands if not millions. And the reason I know that is because of the volumes of books that sat on shelves of Christian bookstores which promise to take you to spiritual maturity in X amount of steps or promise to contain the key to spiritual growth. There is no key to spiritual growth other than exercising the basic disciplines of the Christian life. Many sincere Christians travel from this conference to that conference and this seminar to that seminar and this revival meeting to that revival meeting and they read book after book after book and they listen to podcast after podcast after podcast hoping to find that one single truth that will transform their lives and make them spiritually mature overnight. Listen to me, it's not good grammar, but you're going to understand what I'm saying. Ain't going to happen. It just, it's just not going to happen. There is no such thing as instant maturity. Here's the truth. Spiritual growth is gradual. It's intentional, it's practical, and it's gradual. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 says this, I write unto you, or actually I, just, I think I just put verse 13 up there, I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, 
because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. Look at the three life stages. Children, young men, and fathers. That represents the stages of spiritual growth. We start out as babes in Christ, and then we graduate to maybe the intermediate area, young men, and then finally to fathers, where we're teaching and leading and guiding and training and mentoring others in the things of the Lord. In the last day's newsletter, a number of years ago, a man by the name of Leonard Ravenhill tells about a group of tourists who were visiting a village who walked by an old man sitting beside a fence. And as they were passing, one tourist asked, were any great men born in this village? The old man looked at him and said, nope, only babies. There's no such thing as a great man who is not first a baby. Every spiritually mature person you see in the fellowship family at one point in time was a spiritual baby. They were a spiritual infant. And you know how they got to where they are? because he exercised some basic spiritual disciplines and they did it over and over and over again. Getting to know God better and experiencing Him deeper and loving Him more is something that takes place over time. As much as we would like to speed up the process, the truth is, listen to me, church, it is a journey that lasts a lifetime. That's why I rephrased what I said at the beginning. I said grow up, really the right way to put it is be growing up all the time. Because we'll never reach a stage this side of eternity where we've achieved everything that we need to achieve. According to a survey, and I'll close with this, according to a survey of a thousand human resource managers, it's conducted by a company called Career Builder. And they said the most common reasons or excuses for employee tardiness, they're all pretty familiar. And the highest one at 51% is traffic. The second one at 31% is oversleeping. And the third one at 28% was weather. Those were the top three. Traffic, oversleeping, and weather. But among the most unique excuses bosses have heard are these. I was here but fell asleep in the parking lot. My fake eyelashes were stuck together. An astrologer warned me of a car accident on a major highway, so I took all back roads. 
And another one that raised eyebrows was I had morning sickness. The only problem, it was offered by a man. <laughs> I close with that because the truth is, church, we can come up with any number of excuses, and some of them can be pretty outrageous as to why we don't experience any significant spiritual growth. But the truth is, there are really only two truthful ones. Number one, I just don't desire it. It's not something I'm concerned about. It's not really something I want. And number two, I haven't exercised the discipline that it takes to get to where I want to go. When you strip away everything else, it boils down to that, desire and discipline. It's just that simple. You can apply that to any number of things in your life. Being a good athlete takes desire and discipline. Being a good instrumentalist takes desire and discipline. Being a good vocalist takes desire and discipline. Being healthy takes desire and discipline. Being a spiritually mature believer takes desire and discipline. Say, preacher, I'm good from where I'm at. I can't do anything about that. That's on you. But I'm telling you tonight, if you are not satisfied with where you are and you want to grow in the faith, and you don't want to stay in the elementary ABCs of the Christian life. You, whether God uses you as a teacher or not, you want to have the spiritual knowledge it takes to defend what you believe and to talk with others about spiritual things. It's going to take those two things, desire and discipline. It's just that simple.